here with you today uh, on Easter Sunday as a pastor of uh, C3 Port Hedland for 20 years, uh, my wife over here. And um, I have the privilege of having my three, our three children in the service today. Chloe was singing and Luke's over here and their respective partners. Josh is our middle son. So uh, it's it's a bit of a, a family day. And, uh, and such a privilege, pastors Justin and Anna, to, for you to give up one of the big four events of the year is, uh, is amazing that, that I get to preach on your, your uh, Easter. So we, we have Mother's Day, Father's Day, Easter and Christmas are kind of what we, as pastors, term our big four that you've got to really pray into because everything will go wrong around those times. <laughs> anyway, let's pray into it. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this morning and we thank you that you are alive. He is risen. And this is the day we celebrate that. Thank you, Jesus, that we receive your life because of what you did this weekend 2,000 years ago. In Jesus' name, amen. I want you to imagine something before I start painting. I want you to imagine that it is Easter morning. The sun is up or almost up. And you've just received a report as to a couple of disciples have received a report from some ladies who were up way earlier than you were and got to the tomb and found it was empty and ran back to tell you. And, and I want you to imagine that you are one of these disciples. Peter and John were the two disciples. Early on Sunday morning, while it was still dark, Mary Magdalene came to the tomb and they found that the stone had been rolled away from the entrance and she ran and found Simon Peter and the other disciple, the one who Jesus loved. And she said, they have taken the Lord's body out of the tomb and we don't know where they've put him. The one who Jesus loved, that other disciple, uh, it was a literary, literary device that the writer, the author, was using to say it was me. And so this is from John. John is writing and he says, I like the way he just terms it, you know, he throws it in there for you know, the whole world to know for 2,000 plus years. Uh, I'm the disciple that Jesus loved. Right, just put that in. Okay, the one who Jesus loved. But wait, it gets better. Peter and the other disciples started out for the tomb and they were both running. But the other disciple outran Peter and reached the turn tomb first because he was a faster runner. So not only does he lay identif he identifies with the one who Jesus loved, but I'm also the fastest runner of the disciples. Um, you you don't ever do that, do you? Want to be the best at anything? Is that you know you know the, the most, or or not do something because you're not the best? Well, so. But the other disciple, they were both running, and the other disciple outran Peter and reached the tomb first. But he stopped and he looked in and he saw the linen wrappings lying there. Now, I want to just help you in your illustration with or your understanding of this and, uh, and put a little bit of colour to your world by doing... A little painting. So let's just put the tomb down here because the, the tombstone was round. And 
Inside the tomb it was dark. Here is the disciple, whoopsie, drawn him here like this, just sort of leaning over and looking in. His head there. And just looking into the tomb, and in the tomb, Sorry, let's, let's put the other disciple over here. Here's, here's Peter, the one that got outrun. Here we go, Peter. He's, he's huffing and puffing and catching up to John. John's looking in the tomb there, and in the tomb there is nothing but, and if you know this story, you'll remember what happened. There's nothing but the folded head wrap of Jesus. Now the thing is that at this point in time, the disciples do not know that Jesus has arisen. Sorry, you over here, you're probably going to miss out on if I'm standing in front of it, but uh, I'll try and move some things for you. How's that? Hey? Oh, it's on the screen. Oh, look at that. There we go. All right. So here they are at the tomb. And wondering what has happened to the Lord. Now, you've got to understand that these two disciples have been walking with Jesus for, oh gee, three years. And, and they are absolutely distraught. And not only that, there is a little bit of a, a difference in their challenge. Because Peter... While Don, John, he's, he's identifying himself as the one that Jesus loved, Peter at this moment is identifying himself as the one who denied Jesus. And so you've, you've got these two guys, and I just, want to, I just want to contrast them a little bit. Peter, he's the one who seemed to do all the amazing things. He walked on water. He identified Jesus as the Messiah. I wrote a couple other things down. This is all before, before the crucifixion. Uh, he went up on the mountain of transfiguration with Peter, James and John. They went up there. But they were both business partners at the start. Peter and his brother Andrew. John and his brother James. They were actual, they worked together. So one would say they're friends. They've grown up in the same town. They know what they're doing. And yet, here they are in this place of loss. And, and Peter's feeling shattered. And John's feeling, I don't know what. He's just heartbroken. So that's at the tomb. And then what happens 
is eventually, Peter says a couple of days later, I'm going to go fishing. I'm going to go out fishing. Does anyone else want to come? And it's kind of like a response of uh, uh, desperation. We need money. I've lost focus. I've lost my purpose. I was a fisherman. It was safe. Let's go back out, go back out fishing. And, and so they're out in the ocean. And the boat has been out there all night. And they know what it's like to be outside all night and not catch anything. And then Jesus comes along and he says, uh, but they don't know that it's him, right? He's on the beach. And he calls out. He actually calls out children. We might say kids or boys. We might say something like that. But it's translated men, blokes, you, you fellas. Have you caught anything? No. No, no, we haven't caught anything. And he says, well, throw your... Ooh, throw your net on the other side. And so they do. And uh, somewhere along here I might put a boat in. Or not. And um, so they did. And all of a sudden they realised, you know what? This is... This is Jesus on the beach. And Peter jumps into the water and swims over. But what happens on that beach... Hang on, let's put on a beach. What happens on that beach is down in history as possibly one of the greatest restoration moments ever recorded. So Jesus has a little fire going down here on the beach somewhere. And this is what Jesus does. First of all, he feeds them all with some fish that he already had frying. We don't really know where he got the fish, but Jesus is Jesus. He gets what he wants. They caught 153 fish, actually. You know what that means, 153? means they caught a lot. <laughs> so, after breakfast, Jesus answered Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Yes, Lord, Peter replied, you know I love you. Then feed my lambs, Jesus told him. Feed my lambs, Jesus told Peter. He was sitting on the beach telling this guy who's just denied him three times before the crucifixion. Everyone's sort of in a, in a state of turmoil and, and you can see their nervousness level because they don't even want to, it says they didn't want to ask. They knew it was Jesus, but they didn't want to ask. So they're nervous. Then feed my lambs, Jesus told him. But Peter knows, once again, Peter's identified. This is the Lord. You are the Messiah. This is... And then Jesus repeated the question, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Yes, Lord, Peter said, you know I love you. Take care of my sheep. Only difference really there, aside from the Greek language in the background, is that one is lambs, look after the little ones who can't look after themselves, and the next one's sheep, take care of the grown-ups as well. And then a third time Jesus asked him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? And Peter was hurt that Jesus asked the question a third time. 
And he said, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. He's already feeling messed up. He's already feeling like he's failed. He's already gone fishing because he couldn't handle being around and being the disciple that, uh, that betrayed Jesus, basically. John, John, he, if we're doing comparison stuff, John actually went in and, and watched the trial and Peter could see John in there and John was going, you know, come on in. And Peter's going, no, no. And then... Jesus said, then feed my sheep. So take care of my lambs, take care of my sheep. Now feed my sheep. And it's an escalation of stuff that Peter is being asked to do. So Peter, he's feeling a bit broken by Jesus seeming doubting him. Problem is, when you, when you look at it, it was pretty kind of Jesus to basically counteract Peter's three denials. And then Jesus says something else to him. He says, Then feed my sheep, he's just said. I'll tell you the truth. When you were young, you're able to do as you liked and dressed yourself and went wherever you want to go. But now when you're old, you will stretch out your hands and others will dress you and take you where you don't want to go. And Jesus said this to let him know by what kind of death he would glorify God. And then Jesus told him, took him right back to the beginning and said, follow me. What, what do you think was going through Peter's mind at this moment follow me what do you think and, and, and just having heard that you know what I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna die the way Jesus has died you know what Peter did he turned to his best friend and he looked at him and he said Peter turned around and he saw behind them, the disciple that Jesus loved, the one who'd leaned over to Jesus during the supper and asked, Lord, who will betray you? And Peter asked Jesus, well, if I'm going to die, what about him? You've just, imagine you've just been in that position. You've been told by the Lord, something bad's going to happen to you. And you turn around and you say, well, what about, what about my wife? What about my friend? What about? And now I wonder what John thought of that. Um, John's standing there and he's, and he's got his, his mate asking him, asking Jesus, what about him? Is he going to die too? It's like, okay, well, let's just offer John up. And John, you know, I wonder about John. He's, he's an interesting character. And yet we see later on that John didn't really worry about that. He, in fact, after the resurrection, Peter stands up. Peter preaches to all the people in Acts and at Pentecost. Peter is the one who saves 3,000 people on one day. Peter's the one who walks past people who are paralytic on the, um, who are 
can't walk on the, on the street and they, they are healed. Peter's the one who raised Dorcas back to life. Peter's the one who goes out preaching. Peter's the one who raises uh, Mark back up to a place and, and encouragement so that, so that he can write the book of Mark about Peter's story. Peter does all these amazing things. The Catholic claim, Catholics claim Peter as the first pope. And it's said that he lives for about 30 years. But in the end, yes, he died. And uh, what about John? What did John do? Well, it's quite fascinating, really, because John basically did almost nothing. He wrote, yeah, he wrote a couple of books. He wrote some letters telling people to love each other. Uh, Peter did that as well. He wrote Revelation, which pretty much confused everybody. <laughs> um, but he's still a disciple. Which disciple do you kind of relate to? Are you, are you a Peter who can jump up and raise people to life and, and pray for people in their healing and lead the church and, and be the wisdom on the council when, when uh, problems are going down, even when Paul starts coming along and, and he's saying all this stuff, the, the council at Jerusalem. Are, are you that kind of disciple or are you one that's kind of John in the background, the one, the disciple that Jesus loved and he's leaning back against Jesus at the Last Supper and, and leaning on his chest? We kind of think that John might have only been about... 15, 16, 17, 18, something like that, uh, a young man at the time, because he lived an awful long time. What does Jesus answer? Uh, he says to... Let's put it away before... There we go. Take you where you don't want to go. That's right. Then Jesus said, follow. And Peter turned around, saw him, said, What about him, Lord? And Jesus replied, If I want him, if I want him to remain alive till I return, what's that to you? As for you, follow me. So the rumour spread around through the community that, that this disciple wouldn't die. John saying that I wouldn't die. But he said, Jesus didn't say that at all. He only said, if I want him to remain alive until I return, what's that to you? So basically what Jesus was saying to Peter is, what's it to you? What I decide to do in somebody else's life, what's it to you? And And there's something in that that we need to kind of understand that Peter's walk is not my walk, is not your walk, is not anyone else's walk. John's walk is not my walk, it's not your walk. Whoopsie, let's just pull this back out again. That's all right, I got it. <laughs> go back to this. But we all have our own walk. And John knew what his walk was.
because Jesus had spoken to him when he was on the cross. And Jesus said this to John when they were all standing near the cross, Jesus' mother, Peter wasn't there, his mother's sister, Mary, another one. When Jesus saw his mother, here's Jesus on the cross, he's dying, and he sees his mother at the base of the cross. And he's, he's bleeding everywhere. There's nothing that he is going to be able to do to look after his mother. down he says when Jesus saw his mother standing there beside the disciple that he loved John's, he's, John is writing this down when he saw his mother standing there beside the disciple he loved he said to her dear woman here is your son and he said to this disciple here is your mother and from then from then on this disciple took her into his home. See, John wasn't concerned about Peter getting all the accolades for all the miracles. John wasn't concerned about being leader of the church. John, John wasn't concerned that he didn't get given the keys of the kingdom because John was given a job straight from Jesus' mouth. I want you to love my mother and look after her. And so what you see in these two disciples as they're looking into the tomb, as they're on the beach, as they move off into the amazing era of the Holy Spirit, you see that they both have their own calling. And they know what it is. And they're not worried about pride. They're not worried about being first. They're not worried about somebody else getting more than you or less than you. They're not worried about dying for Jesus. They, what they are concerned with is fulfilling the call that Jesus has given. And John did that. He traveled. We have records outside of the Bible of John traveling around. He went to a various, a few towns and Mary went with him as his mother. Because in those days, there's no social security. There's no Centrelink. There's nothing to look after your old people. And yet here is a man on the cross suffering the worst pain in the world and he's still thinking about other people. He is other-centered. I'm not other-centered. I'm self-centered. How about you? It's hard to be other-centered, isn't it? And yet that's our calling. And, and, and it's a big 
calling. So if you are like John, then my encouragement to you today is love the ones that Jesus loves. That's your call. That's not a small call. If you've been married 57 years, I was alive when you got married, by the way. I was only one, but hey, I was here. You weren't. <laughs> uh, you know, oh, sorry, a bit of Peter came out right there. Uh, so there you go. This is, this is your calling. And, and it starts with the call to say, Jesus, thank you for dying for me. Thank you that you died and I can experience that empty tomb moment because if we die with Christ, we also will live with Christ. It's, it's a simple message of Easter. So simple. And yet it cost the God of the universe everything.